Translating Arcadia tells the stories of people who belong elsewhere, and the pain that comes from being trapped here instead. Their contents may be upsetting or uncomfortable. Finn had left the body of the boy in their bed. Peter, grimacing at the waist, unwound the Egyptian linen sheets from the boy's rapidly stiffening form, where he lay tangled, and, draping the corpse in a thousand thread-count shroud, hoisted it onto his shoulder. The message was clear enough. Finn, though less fastidious than Peter himself, wasn't generally the type to leave a mess behind, especially not one Peter would be expected to remedy. The boy's presence was a clear indictment. I choose. You do not get to choose. At least Finn had refrained from spilling blood. That kind of temperature chat. At least Finn had refrained from spilling blood. That kind of temper tantrum made an obvious impression, but also stained mattresses, such that no amount of ablutions with bleach and vinegar would render them clean. This boy had been beautiful, though, Peter thought, a little wistfully, tucking a narrow wrist and a delicate hand back into the wrappings. A thin, waifish creature with dark hair and eyes, painfully eager, Peter imagined, and willing to follow Finn with little more than a promise and a whisper of the sealer. And he was just Peter's type. Finn preferred strong ones, big nords with blonde hair and eyes like glaciers. The ones that would buck like stallions at the end, the chemicals of fight or flight flooding their mouths with bile and their bodies with the strength of terror. Finn liked it when they struggled. Peter had never been one to pull the wings off butterflies. This boy, Peter shifted his body higher, wouldn't have put up much of a fight. Like another boy, all those years ago. He hadn't intended any of it. Finn had to have known that. He hadn't thought to claim some right. Finn had let him choose before. Despite the differences in their tastes, they shared. Often as not ending up pushing the broken thing that remained to the floor, falling together in bed in a glut of heat and flushed skin. But Peter had found him alone, and he hadn't minded Finn's cardinal rule. He'd allowed himself a few moments of independent action, imagined he was, for just a second, free to decide. And that was unforgivable. A violation of the first loyalty that must be from created to creator. It was after sunset, but not yet fully dark, 
in that late summer twilight that leaves long, grey shadows to pool in corners. Peter, his own shadow stretched and elongated before him, walked the bottom of the dry, storm-drain outlet, littered with broken cinder blocks and potato chip bags, and contemplated his hunger. It had been over a week since Finn had allowed him out, and red mist glazed Peter's senses, a sheer curtain drawn around him. Finn's admonition in his ears, people were more careful these days. He smelled the boy before he saw him. Tobacco smoke on the dry air, sweat, salt, an artificial heaviness of some teen body spray that rested in the back of Peter's throat. Something passed through Peter, like a shiver, an apprehension. The hunger, omnipresent in this season of bare throats and golden tanned bodies, stretched taut under the streetlights, swam upward in his consciousness. The boy sat on the concrete, just inside the mouth of the storm drain his back to the great curved pipe covered in spray-paint straw, and smoked a cigarette. His tight white tank top was too small, his trim waist swam in shorts held up by a studded belt, and he seemed out of place in a body grown into new dimensions without his volition. Peter's eyes slid across the shoulders, dusted with freckles, the point of a chin, an upward tilt of nose, the full lips pursed and taking a drag. He knew Finn would want him. Not because Finn would appreciate the fragile beauty just visible under the veneer of skater shoes and pink mohawk, but because Finn, his wide face benignly innocent, would want to watch the inevitably declining arc its period describing a path that ended in one sort of destruction or another. They could make him last for months. Finn would like that. After all, hadn't it been exactly what had drawn him to Peter? You got a smoke? The boy jumped, then, eyes narrowed against the vanishing light, saw only Peter. The tension relaxed. Sure, man, whatever. He knocked one out of the pack, held it out to Peter. Need a light? He nodded. The boy sucked the cigarette to life, handed it over. Peter put it to his lips, tasted medicated chapstick. He drew on a little of the sealer, reminding his body how it was supposed to behave in these situations. The smoke curled upward. At first, he thought he'd leave it at this. Share the silence of a moment in the tunnel as cars roared by overhead and let the boy go, allow him to pass by this dark thing without collision. But the long twilight and the way the boy's mouth worked as it exhaled suddenly overwhelmed Peter with the hunger he'd allowed to fall by the wayside. Hunger, yes, but beyond hunger, 
the worse for their hesitation. Deeper. More like thirst. He turned his back on the boy, knowing the change would show on his face. The boy would be frightened. He wanted to do it slowly. Wanted to coax. To guide. To draw down into silk. Wanted to bring the boy through the doorway as he himself had been brought through. But thirst refused to be placated. Carefully, he dropped the cigarette, ground it out under his heel. He used the sealer in the end, just enough to give the opium high, fill the boy's veins with thick honey, sluggish and golden. Finn knew. Peter should have realised he would, coming home pink-cheeked and red-lipped, but Finn said nothing. Not even the usual backhanded vindictiveness he employed when he felt he had been wronged. He hadn't reminded Peter of the rule, of the nature of Peter's own dependence. Instead, he had gone out alone, leaving Peter to weigh the severity of his transgression. You do not get to choose. And now, wrapped in sheets, mummified and cold, Finn's punishment for self-determination. It wasn't the same boy. Not the one that had shared a cigarette, then so many things he would never remember. It didn't need to be. It wouldn't matter who Finn had chosen, just that it had been because Peter acted, for daring to keep something to himself. He set this boy's body down on the bottom of the basement steps, not tired, but unburdening his physical form, as he wanted to do his soul. That was when he realised something had changed. The scent in the room, the temperature, some variance of the barometer. The sealer pulsed around Peter, calling up an echo of thirst, the feeling of the change. The boy's body twitched, bird-bone arms jerking like broken wings. Peter's throat tightened, painfully. Finn hadn't. There were lengths you did not go to, even to teach your recalcitrant a lesson. The body's shudders ceased. Peter waited, feeling the change come over him fully and not bothering to hide it. The thing, no longer a corpse but equally no longer alive, sat, pulling the enshrouded cloth away from its face. It stared at Peter with wide, emotionless eyes, eyes with nothing behind them. No whisper of the sealer came from the body now. No answering echo of the power that kept Peter erect. Just a body, animate. No more. For a second, he thought he could do it. It was what Finn must have intended after all. The ultimate object lesson. Finish the transformation. 
push the sealer into the slim form and bring him aware. Peter could have him forever that way. Thrall, not a broken thing, but a fellow. The boy could belong to him. He put his hands on each of the boy's shoulders, opened his mouth, willed the sealer into his breath. His hands seemed so small, barely broad enough to grip, to hold on to what he wanted, children clinging together. And in the shape of his own hands, the flawless skin unmarked by age, he saw what he could not do, what he could not cause to come to be. Could he possess? He had, many times, and would again, but not like this. The boy would not come to hate him as he hated Finn for what he had done and what he had been made to do. He would not know hunger called love and love called weakness. Peter's cry echoed around the basement, ringing in his ears as he shoved the thing away, unable, despite it all, to claim something as his own. Still the child, even after all these years. He sat, huddled on the floor, next to what was no longer simply a body, and felt the change recede. Tears come. And in the distance, up the stairs, he heard Finn laugh. This story, Maker, was performed by Vic. Translating Arcadia is written, directed, and edited by Lisa Guente. Its music is composed and performed by Michael Freitag. More information about the stories and their performers can be found at translatingarcadia.wildnames.com. Translating Arcadia is a production of Law Means Media.